0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Just So We're Clear, a podcast brought to you straight out of Singapore with your host, Marissa True, and myself, Hanley Hofer. Now if you've listened to us before, well, you know the deal. But if you're new here, well, hey, welcome.
1: So on this show, we cover pretty much everything to do with modern life female empowerment sex mental health finances you name it we do it in the most uncut way possible Mm
0: -hmm. so grab a coffee maybe even a glass of wine no definitely some wine light a scented candle or
1: maybe you're at the gym or you're cooking your dinner but consider this next hour your time to feel like you're not alone because trust us we get it
0: it's just so we're clear
1: Hi guys. So first of all, congratulations to us for the consistency. Did we even press record? We yeah. did. See? We're starting off great today. Second of all, to give you a to set our scene today, Hanley and I are sitting mulling over two cups of relaxed tea because we thought caffeine was just gonna spike our anxiety. Hanley? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Where to even begin? You guys know the kind of week that you have where you just know you're having a bad week. Yeah. And in a way, you try to fight it. You're like, no, let me just keep going. Let me just do the things to distract myself. Let me just follow my routine and it'll pass. And it doesn't. And then you hit some sort of breakdown or a wall and you kind of throw your hands up and shoulders in the air going, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was coming. And you just have to let it happen.
1: I think it's the thing where it doesn't matter how much self-awareness you have or how much practice you have with dealing with this. Sometimes you just can't shake that horrible feeling. And it's interesting that both of us are here on the same level.
0: So um, I guess the question is not so much a vibe check. The question is, How was your breakdown?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. So I was actually saying this to you before we got started. Yesterday, I woke up. Actually, I knew I went to bed anxious because I always get this really like lump feeling in my throat. Like it feels like something's sitting on my throat. And I kind of recognized it and thought, we're going to try sleep anyway. Lo and behold, woke up for a few hours in the middle of the night. So I woke up the next day, super tired and thinking the anxiety still sitting there, but I don't know what it's pointed at. It's literally just general. And then um, I went to the gym to stick to my routine, like you just said. And then the voices just started to win. And then I just let them win. What were they saying? What are your voices? So yesterday's was Because I was looking for a reason or a direction for my anxiety, I was kind of grasping mentally of like, could it be this? Could it be that? Like, is it because I'm stressed at work? No. Is it because I'm not happy with this? No. And then it really boiled down to the (laughs) classic, I just don't like how I look today. Like, I was bloated. Yep. I saw myself in the webcam of my work call and I just thought, I just don't like my face today. I got to the gym and everything felt tight. And then I was looking at all these beautiful and like fit women and thinking, I don't look like you today. I was looking at cute men in the gym and being like, don't look at me today. And on the, like, for the most part, we all have those self esteem days, right? But this time it brought up some of my old stuff when it came to like eating disorder triggers. And it's not to say that I was there being like, I'm just not going to eat anymore. But this punishing attitude came back in being like, you don't think you're good enough. So you're going to work on the one thing you can control, and that's your body. And that's what other people see. And if you fix that, you're going to fix everything. And obviously, Mm -hmm. I've recovered to a point where I understand that that's not the case. But it was just sitting there and
0: watching this or hearing this voice and being like, why are you so loud still? Can I just add that as someone who hasn't gone through the eating disorder that you Mm -hmm. have, so I can't speak from your experience, but for someone who has had that Alternatives, like you know, body yeah. uh, image path, and mm-hmm. um, it happens. Yeah, but Re- n- regardless of like the old voices, like for hundred percent, I relate because funny enough, I've been going through some like really just annoying self-esteem, body uh, image, mm-hmm. self-esteem stuff when it comes to my physical looks. And it's just like, it's just so irritating how that's such a thing mm-hmm. that women go through no matter what stage of our development, what stage of our lives, whether we're in our teens, 20s, 30s, I bet 40s, I bet 50s. Oh, it's just yeah. something that like our appearance and our our weight, our looks is something that's just so, I don't know, it just it's just such a thing for us. So-
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in terms of like, that's why we have the body neutrality movement, right? Like Mm. we're all trying to understand that we're going to eventually, like occasionally not like our physical looks, but it's to not let it stop you. And I do think that coming from the perspective of an eating disorder, you understand that everybody has these feelings and you understand that everybody's body conscious to a level and your attachment to that worth is different for everybody. But recovering from an eating disorder a lot of it is around changing where your self-worth lies and so it's detaching yourself from feeling like you are validated or your esteem comes from your physical appearance and then so what you find yourself doing or at least what I found myself doing yesterday was having this other voice come in and judging myself for being so upset about mm. how i looked and being like you've put in so much work to attach your worth to your intellect your humor your kindness your compassion and here you are sitting on your floor crying because you don't like how you look in the mirror what's wrong with you mm. and so it's just like it's either like this additional layer of judgment mm. and being like so i'm not allowed to feel terrible about how i look and i'm also Judging myself for feeling terrible for how I look. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's just a hole that you can dig to the core of the yeah. earth.
0: Like you're not offering yourself any compassion. None. You're judging the voices. And the voice the, the judgment on top of the judgment are like agreeing with all the negativity. It's like all different angles. yeah. These like horrible sides of our mind are like, yep, they're right. And to top it off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like you turn yeah.
1: yourself into your own echo chamber. And then what's worse is like you You know, then you have social media and you have
0: social media is the worst at a time like that. Exactly.
1: And it's interesting because social media, like I don't feel like I connect to it in the way that other people connect to it, where they feel really bogged down by it. But I obviously understand where that comes from. But it's more just being like, I'm still assessing what my femininity or like what my physical self looks like compared to what others deem beautiful and more importantly what i deem beautiful and realizing that i don't fit into that picture so i'm like i'm defining myself out of being able to consider myself beautiful and that's a very strange mindset to go into like i mean like think of our friendship group right like listen you're all stunning Like, and you all have a very glamorous element to your careers, which is, you know, you get dressed up, you go to events, you host and it's, it's magical. And I love that. But then I compare it to mine and my stream is very, very different. So then there is this like weird comparison between your social media selves. And then you know what I'm doing, and I value what I do, but I can't help but be like, Oh, I'm the duff no <laughs> it's true no, it's a weird no. thing to admit and it's actually a really weird t- thing to say out loud but you're just like i'm just the funny friend no
0: yo <laughs> um you're not just the funny friend that's that's not true i mean you're the friend that actually has a life outside of social media <laughs> like you live in the real world <laughs> like, we just had this conversation i don't even know if my job is real <laughs> you live out there and you like have your life and your experiences and you have growth and it's just different it's not about you know the the funny friend or whatever it's it's not yeah but it's also like so do you guys like you guys okay well can also to flip that on the other side when someone in my position hangs out with anyone who has like an office job or a job that like you know or is like a bit more corporate Mm -hmm. has a bit more shark culture hustle culture Mm -hmm. i guarantee that like I sit there sometimes and I'm like, oh, I'm just the pretty one because <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a different world. It's so hard yeah. to like place yourselves or, or it's so wrong to compare yourselves with people who have just have such different lives. But it's just the things that we built and the tools that we used to put ourselves where we are now. It doesn't we know like you and I both know better like that's not actually the truth
1: Mm, yeah but like again when you dig a hole deep enough you're like damn is it (laughs) and also I think the other thing that I was thinking about was because obviously I like I think it's also down to the fact that the reason I'm friends with all of you as women is because that isn't the defining part of your life it's not just this like outward facing social media like you guys are incredibly entrepreneurial you're really smart ambitious kind like all the things that I admire about women then you have the glamour and like beauty element on top of it and being like they really did it all Mm. and I'm like
0: I haven't done it all (laughs) like I want to do it all but then that's also like let's just add some kindness to the mix to ourselves and give ourselves that reminder that in terms of life we are still at the beginning. I know that we just turned 30, mm. but in terms of like the scale of the rest of our lives and the wiggle room to keep growing, like we actually have so, like we only truly started figuring ourselves out maybe like three, four years ago, three, four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, In our early 20s, did anyone have any sense of self-awareness? honestly. from where i could see in my experience not really only like 26 27 did i start to really hone in on a a sense of identity Mm -hmm. and i think you did too yeah and that's only been three years ago and so we're still kind of babies in that world of being like who are we now we're still figuring it out oh yeah and i guarantee that this this idea of that, you know, around different groups of friends who have such different lives, it makes me feel like inadequate or different in d- different a- avenues of mine. that can be applied to like every single friend group. Like mm-hmm. when I hang around my older friends, that those who are in their late thirties who have kids and like, they're just so settled with who they are as people like they they are not having these discussions of you know purpose of you know insecurity around things like body or boys it's just such a different conversation and i and i sometimes feel like wow what like am i just the pretty friend you know <laughs> like What do I have to offer this conversation? Yeah, We we do this all the time with different groups of friends. Think about our friends who are even more financially successful than us. And they sit around and their conversations are about, you know, stocks or property, Mm -hmm. investing. And we know that they have the cash to do this. And that's why they're in this field and they can talk about it confidently. There's always going to be this side of us that's like, how come I'm not there or yeah. like, judging myself for not being able to have these conversations around money so confidently just because the way of life is for each of us at this point, there's, it's always going to happen.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it's like we said at the very beginning, it's just, you know, that fact, but then when you let these voices dominate and you let them win, you completely lose sight of the reality based on just how shit you feel. Mm. And that's where I just sat for hours yesterday. And like, it's so silly to look back on it now because obviously, you know, once your crying is done, you pick yourself back up and you just get on with your day. It's kind of just like this isolated moment. But I really was like... I had to sit on my floor, like, head between my knees, just crying.
0: Fetal position. Like,
1: properly. And I haven't done that in a while. And I think it's because often, especially when, like, how we express it on this podcast, we're so, like, I'm on it. Like, you know, things aren't perfect, but I'm still pushing. And it's this constant striving and like constant self-awareness and pushing to be better and acknowledging that we're vulnerable at times. But I feel like this was the first time in a while where I was really stopped in my tracks by it mm. and been like, I wasn't expecting that to come around the corner and smack me as hard as it did. Damn. But yeah, it was it was a really interesting feeling. And I just, I was thinking about, you know, the things that I consider beautiful in other women, like I was saying earlier, and and then how... I wasn't measuring up to that and then also thinking, okay, so then what do I have? And then being like, I'm loud and I take up space and I'm very like intellectually dominant and all these things that sound great in terms of, you know, this mythical empowered woman, but it weren't things I liked about myself as I was saying them to myself yesterday and have you asked me that a week ago? I would have said those are my best traits. Mm. So it was like I was flipping the script on myself. And I was mm.
0: like, well, <laughs> we can't win. Mm. Like we really can't win. So, <sighs> and where are you today? Or what did you do to remedy these thoughts? I or, wrote... or are you just catching them now? And you're now then going to do what you need to do?
1: No, I, um I thought about it for quite a while yesterday because I spent the whole day alone at home. And then I just, I wrote out what I was thinking. It kind of sounded like a poem. I'm not going to lie. It was so, it was, it was so like poetry slam style, but it was like, I judge myself for how I look. And then I judge myself for caring about how I look. Mm. And then now I'm judging myself for, and it would just keep going. And it was building this ladder and being like, I created this spiral. And then thinking, you know, you're allowed, like you're human. People do that. That you didn't intentionally create this chaos but then being like oh but maybe you did and then it's just it's fucking voices (laughs) (laughs) but today I woke up like I had still broken sleep but I woke up without this weight of anxiety sitting on my chest and on my throat I even googled this is how far we got I googled what the throat chakra meant okay turns out it means that there's a blockage in some kind of communication so I'm trying to work out where that is Um, and then I'm just I'm just taking it easy on myself today. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I will join you on that front of taking it easy yeah, on tell yourself. Me, and- tell me about your chaos. <laughs> <laughs> round
1: one. Okay, this is round two. Let's <laughs> go.
0: <laughs> your turn. <laughs> <sighs> Where to even begin? Um, it still has to do with the breakup. Mm. Um, recently, I had a catch up with the ex's mother very lovely woman. I held her very close to my heart. And I was reflecting on the different levels of a breakup um, when it happens and how it's not even, it's not purely just between the two individuals. It's also like the relationships that you make with their family, the the comfort that you created in their home, the space that you kind of, let yourself claim was yours too mm-hmm. that you have to say goodbye to. And I realized that it's also mourning so many different aspects of saying goodbye to a relationship. Like it's not just him as a person. It's, it's everything that we we did together and speaking to his mother really like reminded me of that because I have this habit um, with ex partners of mine to create true bonds with their mothers. Yeah. Like I really do bond with them and, and we get, quite close to the point where we end up having those, you know, kitchen counter deep chats. And and I love that I'm able to do that with them. And so when I have to like, kind of l- know that I slowly have to start saying goodbye to this mm. like maternal figure, that hurts even deeper because it makes me address my own mommy issues. Mm. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know if I've I've gone into it on the podcast, but, you know, like a lot of us out there, I have quite a stereotypical Asian mom when it comes to the world of vulnerability, nurturing, this idea of what maternal um, energy feels like. I don't think my mother met my needs Um, In those departments, I think she did the best she could, as all mothers do. Mm -hmm. But that didn't mean that my needs were fully met in an emotional sense. And that's something that I work through, you know, like my mother and I, we are really good now as adults. But when I was a child and a teenager, my mother and I did not see eye to eye. She doesn't really have like a nurturing sense about her. And to this day, like we know we care about each other, but my mother and I don't express I love you. It's just Mm -hmm. one of these things in the household that we just don't really do yet. So when you get
1: the maternal energy from your partner's mother and then you have to break your heart in that respect, you're looking at. Layer one is heartbreak with a partner. Layer two is heartbreak with everyone you know through your partner's life. And then layer three is how your personal needs have to be broken it, it, in terms of how they were met in that it, relationship. It really is.
0: It hurts my heart that I have to say bye to a maternal figure yeah. who gave me what I needed.
1: And gave you what you were missing. It gave
0: me what I was missing. Yeah. And, and that has... Oh, God, you guys. That has added such a layer to this. Yeah, because <laughs> you're basically saying... I lost a mother. Here. I lost a mother. Yeah. And um and that's something that I'm I'm coming to terms with. It was really hard to do it with my long-term ex, um but it had to happen. Mm-hmm. And now it has to happen again with this one and and it really hurts.
1: Listen. The more I think about heartbreak, the more I'm like I'm just going to dodge that altogether. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> like I watch like obviously we all go through our own heartbreak and I'm watching you go through it again and just thinking I can't do it again.
0: See, I even through all the hurt, I am like still making a promise to myself that I am still going to be open to love. Not right now, but I I know speak for yourself. I'm dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, I truly believe that I am worthy of a great love. Like I oh, yeah. have no doubt about that. And yeah. and I was thinking this to myself in one of my little, you know, meditative reflective sessions the other morning, it was that we don't ever truly get over our loves. We just find people that we love more.
1: Yeah. And I was also, I think I sent you this quote that was talking about the thing about grief is it perfectly mirrors the amount of love that was lost. Yes. And I think that is so true. And it goes to show like the more pain you're in demonstrates how much love that there was in the first place. Exactly.
0: But the beauty of the reminder that The thing that you lose now is just making way for something that is going to create more love. It's so beautiful because if I loved this guy as much as I did and as much as I still do, it means that the one that's going to come my way is just going to be that times 10. It's just going to be even more beautiful. And that's something that I'm really pushing myself to look forward to. Like Whatever is not... Whatever the universe is removing for me right now is truly to make space for the thing that is perfect and right for me. And you know me. I'm a very faithful person, so Mm -hmm. I have trust that it will come.
1: I think it's beautifully put. And it kind of gave me this visual metaphor of, say, your first relationship comes. And then when you break up, it takes, like, one scoop out of your heart, right? And then the second relationship comes. Like an ice cream scoop. Like a perfect ice cream scoop. Like one of those bowlers. Those cookie dough things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And...
0: yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) let's
1: keep keep talking more ice cream (laughs) then the second relationship comes and then it's a little more than the last so it it fills what the last filled and it also fills that hole right and then say you lose that relationship so it scoops a bigger scoop and then the next relationship comes and it floods that space but then if they leave it fills a bigger scoop so it's almost like the more you learn how you're going to love the more space there is in your heart that's been scooped out
0: for that person to then fill. Okay, it started beautifully because you started with ice cream, but at the end of this metaphor, it just sounds sad, bro. Like It just means I have like, like the tides come and go, like washing away no, the but sand it's making, of like making more space, but taking more with it. But think of how painful. beautiful
1: scenery is when that happens. Like, like erosion?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Think Love about it. It rogues like, your heart. Ooh. No, but like when you lose something you gain something else and over the course of time and it might be a long period of time it creates this massive and stunning change to the landscape that you would have never imagined when you felt like things were being taken from you
0: yeah I mean I guess you're right but
1: <sighs> it's a dark it's a dark metaphor because it's a dark feeling like if we had to sit there and be like oh I'm so thankful for this heartbreak because I can't wait for the next one like we wouldn't learn to love in the way that we love and we wouldn't learn to love the things that we <laughs> learn can't from other wait people for The
0: next one oh shit
1: i can't wait for my next ice cream scoop <laughs> oh my god i actually had this thought the other day where i was just sitting at home alone and i was like do i want a boyfriend which is a new feeling for me because i'm always like no ill boys men
0: mm-hmm. but yeah um then i remember who i am and i'm like no <laughs> See, I'm also recently trying to break my pattern of going into a rebound codependency. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> so true. No, it's true. I actually in my hypnotherapy session, I have sort of hypnotized an anchor into myself so that every time something shiny comes along when it's too soon, I like get this flash of this finger wagging in my head like ah. ah, ah. So you're like a relationship magpie. Listen. It's not that I go looking for it. I just feel like I have this energy about me that the moment that I'm single, <laughs> yeah, people are like throwing their numbers at me. It's
1: because you're friggin' beautiful and you have your stuff under control. You earn your own money. You live in your own place. Like you're a very well put together full package. But like, why was it? it re- why
0: was it that when I was in a relationship, I barely got hit on? But now that I'm out of relationship, because you
1: had wiped up energy.
0: And now like you it. have like
1: Alpha oh, excuse me. Huh. Sneezy villain era energy
0: I'm still not in my Actually That's a lie I had I a, watched you get hit on yesterday Yes <laughs> <laughs> He was good looking I did give him my number Exactly And I told him He was like Would you like to go for coffee? Because he was British <laughs> And I was like, ask me in a month. I'm in no position to go for coffee right now, but you can have my number and you can ask me in a month in case I don't see you again. Thank you for representing my nation with that abomination of a sentence. Bottle of water. (laughs) Bottle of water. (laughs) In it, bro. In it.
1: (laughs) But this is actually a topic that I wanted to bring up today because I was reading the news. No, I was. Yeah, I was. But I was reading this study that came out that, was called The Crisis of the Single Lonely Man.
0: Have you heard of it? No, but I love it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of hearing about the single lonely female. Let's hear about the men. So this study, it was
1: basically a psychological review.
0: Actually, I've got the,
1: I'm going to find the details of the name on my phone because it was by a scientist called, a psychologist called Matos,
0: M-A-T-O-S?
1: Yes. Matos. And so throughout the study, he identified that single childless women in their 30s made up the happiest subgroup population in the UK. But they found that men were increasingly reporting loneliness and feelings of sadness and like a void. So then this crisis of the single lonely man, he attributed to a relationship skills gap. So he's saying as women have become more emancipated, are earning their own incomes and are keeping their lives together and becoming a lot more self-sufficient, they aren't looking for the typical provider things like food and shelter and income from a male partner anymore. They're looking for emotional counsel, emotional awareness, and emotional intelligence. And because the emotional vulnerability conversation isn't happening enough in male circles women aren't settling for men who haven't made that journey or done that work yet and so men be struggling and then it was also talking about how men are making up a majority of dating app users so there's basically a higher supply than there is a demand and that goes to mean that you know women are basically saying I see you but I don't have to date you to be content. I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm good as I am. And I'm willing to wait however long it takes to find the right partner who both knows how to have an emotionally intelligent conversation and probably knows how to vacuum.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: So his suggestions for men who are struggling to find love were, quote, level up your mental health game. A plus. Correct. Correct. And he's like, that means getting into some individual therapy to address your skills gap, valuing your own internal world and respecting your ideas enough to communicate them effectively. It means seeing intimacy, romance and emotional connection as worthy of your time and effort. And then he says, ultimately, we have an opportunity to revolutionize romantic relationships and establish new healthy norms, starting with a first date. It's likely that some of these romances will be transformative and healing, disrupting generational trauma and establishing a fresh culture of admiration and validation.
0: See, this is why men need to listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Like the girls tuning in right now, we're all just nodding, being like, we know. We know these things because we're intuitive and we do the work and we are in touch with our emotions to a T. Send this to your brothers, my girls. Like, honestly, For real though. Honestly, but okay. Cause I have a brother. He's a male in his thirties. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's a mess. <laughs> Shout out to Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> he's cute. If you guys want, you know, he's single. He's single. <laughs> um, but I push him to go do the work. I push him to go to therapy. I push him. Well, make like, in a kind way, you know, because Just shoving him because he the won't do office. it. He won't yeah. do it by himself. Because it's confronting. It's scary to open
1: an emotional vat that you've been told to repress throughout your entire life as a
0: guy. And I know that it's like a double-sided thing because, you know, like we are not responsible for the others in our lives. That's something Mm. I'm working through in therapy. I'm not responsible for my brother. But at the same time, you know, like when you love someone, do you let them fall behind? Do you let them like, you know... Do you not help them to show them the ways that they can help themselves?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's the whole principle of you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right? Like, you can bring him. <laughs> it's
0: going to be like, make it swim? <laughs> <laughs> What's this horse
1: I've doing? I've never heard
0: that saying. Seriously?
1: No. What? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So it's basically like you can set up everything around it. But at the end of the day, it has its own free will. And they're going to do what they're ready to do. So yeah. like, it's some people aren't ready to open up to the work. Yeah. Right?
0: But anyway, I think just coming off what you said about the article about men, I think as women, part of our ability to nurture and to communicate like it does. okay. well, answer me on this. Is it a part of our responsibility to inspire the men in our lives who fall under this single lonely 30s demographic to go forward and do the work? Is it our
1: responsibility?
0: Maybe responsibility is too big of a word, but do we feel some sort of...
1: Obligation yeah. or desire to and help? And it's not
0: like the men that are linked to us romantically. I'm talking like your friends, your cousins, okay. your brothers.
1: That's different. Yeah. Okay, that's different because I feel like when it comes to you know our brothers, our fathers, our friends... Yes, like we, we desire that for them. Yeah. And so we'll put in the effort to try and help them bring, like, help bring them to that realization. But I do think it's very different. Obviously, we're talking very heteronormative couples. Like, we're talking yeah. a man and a woman. Yeah. Um, that I think some women find themselves in relationships with guys who are just a little bit emotionally stunted or just like haven't.
0: <laughs> Sorry, my face just made a face. <laughs> sorry i'm just so turned off by emotionally stunted men go on (laughs) but you know what i
1: mean like the guy who's still about like he's uncomfortable expressing his feelings is more about bravado and doesn't really get why everyone's into this bullshit quote unquote i think some women when they really like the guy that they're with really want him to learn and to heal and figure it all like figure all that out that they put themselves out of whack trying to fix this man when really they should just let him figure that out on his own and go find someone else who at least is partway through the journey because there's another argument to this which is the assumptions of this study would presume that if you are dating a guy and then you realize he's not that emotionally aware of himself or he's like stage two of five of his emotional awareness journey that you're like you're not far enough along so I'm not going to deal with this we rob that person of the opportunity to grow or Mm -hmm. to give them the space to be able to learn that with you if you think you need the finished product
0: yes but then that comes down to the other argument which is do i want to date your potential or your reality that is a mistake we make each and every we see time we see this guy and he's great on like so many levels except the one where he's kind of you know doesn't know how to communicate his emotions is not very great at identifying his own emotions and then takes it out on you or or just or just project it or internalize it and he's great everywhere else but in that element like is that his like are we are we really like crossing our fingers and toes on the potential that he'll wake up to his own self and also as their romantic partners I don't want to be your mother and like be the one that like pushes you and guides you yeah. through this. That's not hot. Yeah, the article That's described it as like, like women. We have like sun energy to you. Yeah, I don't want that for you. The
1: article described it, and it wasn't by Matos, the psychologist, but the article that wrote about his study said that you know we all women want to avoid becoming this like. <laughs> girlfriend mother maid therapist combination that we all like is a position we all seem to be putting ourselves in just because we're like I love him so much and I want him to heal and I want him to be great because he's everything to me without realizing how much of your own energy that you're giving away Mm -hmm. but then I just feel like we can't rule them all out because we're literally we're all going to die alone in that way because they're (laughs) so far behind
0: I don't know man I have two dogs (laughs) Well, I is am true.
1: never alone because <laughs> I mean like I look at my father right and my dad is a very sensitive man and he's always been this strong emotional support for me as his daughter but at his age and he's in his 70s now he's waking up to a lot of these things and is kind of softening up in new ways as it relates to himself more than it relates to other people and it's amazing to see but it's also like had anyone ruled him out because he hadn't made those realizations for himself when he was, you know, 30 and dating. It would rob him of, like, the greatness that he is and that he was throughout
0: my life. But here's the kind of thing about a breakup with men and women too, but in this conversation with men, I think, is mm-hmm. that it's big life events like breakups, divorces. That shake, that them that shake them up. That shake them up to then make them wake up to the things that they were not before in those departments. You know how, girl, girlies, you know what we mean by this, but you know what, like when your ex becomes the man that you wish they were with it the other woman? This is me. You no. Know? When you did all that <laughs> groundwork with your ex and you just know that the girl after you is going to reap all the rewards of all that work you did on him. You
1: know when you realize that. You were his lesson.
0: Oh, I have a term for it. I've been throwing it around. I call myself Bob the Builder.
1: Yeah, I use that term too.
0: I'm literally Bob the Builder on some of my exes because after me, they became very. You wanna know something fucking annoying? All my exes are multimillionaires now. Fuck. After me, I lent them money when we were dating. I lent them money and now. Their new girl is like living the tie-tie life that I wanted for myself.
1: Hanley? <laughs> Real tears, people. Real Same. Tears. Same. I know exactly what you're talking about. <sighs> I remembered lending money and being like, this is what you do for the person you love. And then the weird dynamics that that created, even though I was trying to help. And then we broke up and then suddenly there's just money coming in through the ears. And I'm like, Really? What?
0: Yeah. Now? <laughs> yeah. Now? So annoying. I wanted to become a tie-tie. He was the tie-tie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's another thing, because obviously through this through this article, the suggestion is that, you know, when we look at men as providers in some respect, now we're looking for emotional support because we have our own income, we have our own shelter, we have our family and friends, like we have the basic survival stuff down pat. But then money becomes an interesting topic because it's like the whole debate of like, you know, if a guy pays for your first date, it's just chivalry. But then what do the finances look throughout the relationship? And it's like, if men are still accustomed to being the financial provider and then you take that away, does money become an emasculating factor in the relationship? Uh,
0: yeah, really? I think that men. OK, this is just my views of what I've seen because I have seen it. Um, uh, Not having money. Like, It is not cute. It, no, it, <laughs> it emasculates men. It, like when guys are broke, they don't have that sense of alpha energy because they are not able to be the providers in this world. And so I've really seen that with partners of friends, even experiences that I've gone through when a guy is not financially secure to, I don't know, be at a standard that he wants or you know that you want the relationship is going to be a really hard one. It, mm. it, it just is. It just is the way it is. Like, I wish that we lived in the world where we can be like, these things don't matter. So it's what? just because
1: we live in a world where money matters. and Of that's course why. money matters. But then would you say that women could potentially start to feel that now in terms of feeling like their survival is
0: dependent on a man's financial welfare? No, 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 no. And woman's like dependence does not like depend on the man's financial welfare. Like I think we are at a point where, yeah, we're all good. yeah. But like, if I just feel like if the woman makes more than the guy, it's always going to be, unfortunately, this imbalance that's hard to work around, unless both people are at a position where they're secure enough in themselves to be willing to have healthy conversations around it.
1: So then if we're looking at, you know, women are working hard to become more financially independent and men are starting to work hard at their emotional development so that they can be there for themselves as well as others, then are we not trying to shift that dynamic? Do do you think, like, the finance thing is still going to be at, like, the core of all of this? Like, is there not a scenario in which we just think, you know, say, I don't know, say in a magical world, I'm earning a quarter of a million dollars and he's earning half that Right like, but he is emotionally self aware he's hit e q nirvana.
0: Is that still emasculating? I think unfortunately, yes, I think that we have just entered like more wokeness around the ability to talk about this with compassion and understanding, but unfortunately, I personally don't think that as a collective, where our society is at a point where that can happen without the man and the woman having some sort of like imbalances. I I really don't. But do you think we would get there? I think we could get there. Do you think we should get there? Yeah, of course. I mean obviously ideal in an ideal world, it would be great if we got there because that's like equality, right? Like that is it. But are we can we get there? I don't I honestly don't know. Should we get there? That would be amazing. Are we there now? Honestly, no. No, I don't think we're there now. Very few communities truly are. Like, I've seen it with friends' parents growing up. The mother was wildly successful. Father had a life that didn't match the mother's in terms of, you know, power and income. Mm-hmm. And it just led to a life of misery and like just resentment and imbalance in the household. I've had boyfriends that weren't making money and I was. And um, They turned out to be the most insecure fuckers on earth. Mm-hmm. I even have had exes that were like doing okay, but not doing as well. And they never really like let it show mm-hmm. until it did. And mm-hmm. then the crack exploded and it was too painful to look past. Like it's just the thing that, that we have unfortunately have to deal with when it comes to money and providing and, you know, the patronorm of men versus women it's just something so rooted in our culture that it's just hard to shift right now
1: it's so interesting because relationships with money are so complicated both in terms of how you connect to your own money and how someone else connects to theirs in a relationship dynamic and like wealth that is shared for example like like one of my closest friends she does super well for herself, and her husband does too they both they're both extremely high income earners they're extre- extremely professionally successful, but there are different times in their relationships where one wasn't earning and the other one was and I would consider her husband a very masculine man he's a very manly man he's very sensitive and he's very kind and he's emotionally i think he's actually very emotionally aware so Ticking all those boxes, but in terms of like the financial dynamic of their relationship, it's interesting to see that I don't think her being the primary breadwinner or the dominant income earner affected him that
0: much. Okay, but can I just add already? Is that like the conversation about this particular couple is that because I know them, they are already at a baseline of a very privileged type of income regard on both ends sure so it doesn't so in terms of quality of life like the the standard of high living for them is still like no big deal because both of them can afford it but what i mean in this dynamic that i was saying before is when it's like one partner is the one that provides a standard of living that the other partner cannot do for them so if in the situation my friend's parents the mother was the high income earner she's the one who paid for their nice apartment penthouse she's the one who paid for their nice car she's the one who paid for their holidays and he with the gap was so big he could not and that created so much resentment so you see what i mean no like, but in this the, dynamic the, pri- I- the the light, the standard of living she was the provider for but for your friends like their standard of living from their both baseline salaries and their income no, would but, be good anyway.
1: No, but that's the thing. It wasn't. That's what made it so interesting. So the she, gap like, was that big? The gap was huge. Oh. Huge. Because he was, he was working in an industry that just doesn't pay as well as the industry that she was working in. And also that he was moving to a city where he would have no job. So not only was his baseline lower, but he was also coming in at zero they had worked out an understanding about their dynamics with money and their finances, both individually and as a couple, that they were like, this doesn't actually affect us. Because when I'm up and he's down, I pick him up. And then when he's up and I'm down, he picks me up. And then, you know, right now they're at this beautiful balance between them where they're like, we're comfortable, we're good. But it wasn't always that case. But I think their finances didn't bleed into this sense of like security and or well, insecurity in a re- in their relationship to have affected them. Maybe they're just a super I rare think case. They're a
0: super rare case. But I like, think that's I, the but goal. That's a, it's amazing that that exists. I think that's but the thing I, for me. I've, I've never heard that.
1: I think that's the thing for me. Is like, I'm looking at it and being like, that's where we need to get to. Like, that's what I want in my partnership. But that's also
0: like coupled with so much healthy communication between the two of them. Like, oh yeah, I'm they sure are the they are they are like. A-stars in all these departments of relationship. If there was a relationship report card, straight A's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality is that not everyone's like that. They really are the super freaks of relationships and winning life. And that's amazing. But But I, unfortunately, generally, I just don't think we're there yet. I just don't think, yeah, yeah, it's sad.
1: It's like the relationship Olympics, right? Like, you watch the Olympics because you want to see people who are super freaks. Like, they are just the best of the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in terms of their, in terms of their physical ability, like you want to see them push the boundaries of human potential, and then over the course of every Olympics, they get like people get better and better and better, and the scores keep improving. And then you know the baseline that was fifty years ago is now the bottom tier now. So I feel like seeing them a gold medalists of this relationship Olympics means that they're going to eventually be the baseline, and I'm holding out hope for that because. I want what they have and I need
0: someone to join me in that picture. Yeah, but you know, he's not going to be cute, right? He's going to be an uggo. Guys, we had this chat the other day and Marissa and I were like listing all the things we want for our future partner. And then we both like looked at each other. We're like, he's going to be ugly. He's not going to be hot though, is he? No. That's going to be the thing. He may not be hung, but he's (laughs) not going to be hot, but he's going to be hung. He's going to be everything except he's going to be. He's gonna, he's not gonna be a 10. It's just how it works. (laughs) He's He's a
1: six, but he's in touch with his feelings.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 6.5. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what makes him a 10 for her.
1: Yeah. It's just, oh, you're right, though. Like, I even told my sister, I said, oh, Hanley and I had this chat where we realized we're probably gonna have to settle for an uglier man if we want the full package. (laughs) And my sister, without skipping a beat, went, Guarantee I'm gonna marry an uggo. <laughs> and she was like, I will make a point of it. <laughs> this
0: is so mean, just casually calling men uggos.
1: Yeah, but low key, you know, you're always gonna be the hotter one. Yeah, well, and you're also no, gonna prefer to be the hotter okay, one. Okay,
0: but listen, ladies, if he's too hot, red flag. If he's, t- if he's a 10, stay toxic. Yeah, we can't, you and I, like, we know we can't trust him. <laughs> if that. he's hot, he's a hoe. <laughs> My ex is pretty hot. There were some red flags, ladies, let me tell you. (laughs) I know you know him. I know you stalked him. Yeah, he's cute, but you know. Red flags. Red flags. Left, right, center. Red flags. Did I look past them? Yeah, because he was hot. Ah, the goggles. Anyway, I will leave that there
1: (laughs) on the internet. There's a lot of meat to this episode.
0: Okay, let us know how you feel about that. Yeah, Um, I want to know about...
1: What keeps you up at night? (laughs) And also I want to know about what you think about men being unfinished products and whether what stage would you date them in their journey?
0: Let us know if you agree with the points we made about um, financial equality in a relationship. Do you think it's possible that we can have a norm where it's not a big deal? Do you think we're on the path there? Like just share your thoughts.
1: I'm so interested. I've been thinking about this. All day.
0: And then also, like, sh- send us some love about the body image stuff because I know you guys go it through. Tell go me through how hot I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just share because we know we're all human out here and it's just part of yeah. it. This, and... this bagel belly Christy Cream roll really needs some love. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, much love to you and we will catch you in a couple of weeks. Bye.